even folks I know that that really did have a hit. Well, then the motivation is obvious, right? There's mm-hmm. there there's like, well, what do you what have you done for me lately? Um, sure. But yeah, I just I love the constant challenge of trying to fill the void. You know, like there is nothing. I'm gonna make something, and I'm gonna throw it out into the void, and it'll echo around for a while until that echo, you know, disappears, and then I got to do it again. Tokyo tonight. Hey man, howdy! And I'm really angry and political, so we Fantastic. can just do it all. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. That's what we, you know. What's Perfect. crazy? It's that that interview. Uh, I mean that that intro that we have. It's always kind of funny because I feel like no one's ever really prepared for it. If they never, if they haven't watched the show, so if they're like, I've had some guests where I could just see their face in the back in the green room thing, kind of like where they're like, "Fuck!" <laughs> you know, like, immediately calling their people, like, "What did you get me involved in?" <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty great. But you seem to handle it well. Well, you know, I'm a big Godzilla fan. So anytime there's just massive destruction at the hands of a Japanese amphibian. Yeah. You, you know, it's weird. I don't even know where I got that clip from. I I think it might be a knockoff because I, I don't think I don't know what yeah. it is. Right? right. It doesn't even look like real Godzilla. It looks like, you know, like uh, claymation Nick Jr. Godzilla or some shit. So good. Yeah. And that old man at the end, I think, is what really might get people. But I love that dude. I don't know where he is. I hope he's well because he <laughs> he pulled like a live Twitter feed in in real time and like just yelled at the insurrectionists outside of his house. John, he's just like he's not he's not well. I'm sorry. <laughs> I have I have bad news for you. That guy is <laughs> he's done. Right. Yeah. Check no, you're probably right. We uh, will we'll send him some flowers. Uh, so how are you doing, man? How you been? Really good, thanks. I just got back from uh, Brooklyn, where I know Very you nice. you were born. And yep. Some rays. Some rays. Yeah, yeah. Half and half. Yeah, it was good. I um, yeah, man, it's just going and going. I got a couple of teenagers, and my son is a eighteen year old. He just started his new job as a pizza delivery man. He had a second night. He texted me, nice. "The money is better tonight." And I'm like, <laughs> "Well, but how many house frows have come to the door in negligee?" That's the <laughs> That's the real question. That's right. the real question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great. That's a good question. That's a great question to ask when you're getting interviewed for a pizza delivery job. Uh, how many house jobs will I see? <laughs> Employers just like, pardon me, what? <laughs> you're the Pornhub music in the background playing. Yeah. You're like, no, that. He's a good boy. He's a good boy, too. Although I worry because he texted me during his shift. He said, Dad, can you give me some Elliot Smith songs to listen to? And I don't know if you guys know Elliot Smith. Yeah. But he, very depressed, but really brilliant singer songwriter that right. he and I are our, our paths crossed in LA for a while. So oh, um, I got to do a bunch of gigs with him. I got to know him, but it was towards the end of his life when he was like, he, I think he was kind of always a mess, but yeah. it was, he was very much a mess uh, at the end there. And so it's crazy to have my son who's always been a big hip hop fiend, you know, and um, to have him like hitting me up for songs that I really love, mm. but also it made me worry a little bit. Like, 
are you feeling okay? Like, uh, you're yeah. not too depressed right now? Is everything? <laughs> Did a girl yeah, break like, your heart? Right, yeah. right. Like, happy to give you a playlist, but also check in every hour with me, <laughs> yeah. just just in case this gets too deep. Yeah, yeah. Is is that? Do you remember like the first thing you guys bonded over, like music wise? I mean, there was a lot of music when he was super little, but I, I tried never to do kids music because there's, mm. because I'm not a monster, John, because <laughs> there's really, there's literally nothing worse than kids music. And it's yeah. funny because a few years back, I put out a book of children's poems and, yep. um, and it's fun. I mean, it's super fun. I love it. It's, it's very subversive to the point where I had a group of uh, Facebook moms in the Midwest started a lynch mob and got me pulled out of Costco and it was really bad wow. for a minute and i and i wasn't allowed to defend myself the publisher told me like you just have to ignore it and it'll go away and i'm like but i'm not a monster right I'm yeah not, not for that i mean for right. other stuff whatever <laughs> um but so but when i put out that book of children's poems i had a lot i do did a lot of press around it you know a, a different kind of press and there was a lot of um so you're a musician you wrote kids poems they all rhyme when are you going to put out an album of children's music and i'm like that is the last artistic move you make. That's the last thing you do. <laughs> I mean, there's, I mean, I think a memoir is always a sketchy move too, but yeah, a yeah. book, a, an album of, of kids songs, like, okay, okay. You, you do a, an album of standards, right. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then the kids songs. Right. And, and then you go to the musician old folks home. That's it. Yeah. That's a great. See, I never knew that about musicians because for comedians is if you ever hear a comedian say, yeah, man, I'm doing a cruise next week. You're like, oh, oh, oh I see. <laughs> You've given up. You're out of the business. Is that what's going on? That's great. Or or you've got a wife that really loves to drink and like fall against the hallway wall as she's <laughs> walking back to her cabin that's such accurate imagery of a, of a cruise i've only been on one once and i and i do you like it that kind of thing or no uh, um i have you a cruise guy no i mean I've, i only do it if they pay me and I've, yeah. done, I've done that three times and it was one was one was kayamo a journey through song which was like me oh. lyle, lyle love it and like all these kind of like really sophisticated songwriters wow. they didn't they did not invite me back um okay. And then I did a cruise <laughs> called Rombello, and it was uh, like a jam band cruise, which is not my um, genre. Mm -hmm. And um, although by the end of the cruise, every song had suddenly become a, eh, 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 like this kind of right. beachy. Yeah. yeah, I was just like, oh, shit, I have like Stockholm syndrome now. I'm like doing <laughs> there. But that was that was headlined by Slightly Stupid, which. Okay. Spoiler alert, they spell that with two O's rather than a U. So as if to drive home right. the point. Um <laughs> I did I did not get it. I get invited back on that cruise. And then mm. I I have been on and probably will again go on the Outlaw Country cruise. Oh, and, nice. And that's fine. That's Lucinda Williams and Steve Earl and then whatever crazy ass band they bring on. And and my wife does love to stumble down a hallway beautiful so that's why i go back yeah no i don't blame you that's the kind of thing like I, I i don't know if it's the same for musicians too when you're on that kind of stuff but if you bomb and you're a comic on one of those things they <laughs> have they have no problem coming real close to you when you're in that hallway drunk sober or whatever mm -hmm. and just telling you what they think and how they feel and uh it's it's weird man you really have to like it. I mean, you really have to like what, because mm -hmm. you're stuck on that for a week and yeah. you're all going to be in a buffet line. 
you know, every morning or whatever. <laughs> God, I remember we took our kids on one when they were little. I think it was the Kayamo. So it was like the safest of all of them. Right. And um, my favorite memory, because I, I have this daughter who's an over 15 year old daughter is an overachiever. She's very because funny. I never talk about my kids this much. I feel like this is a safe space. Oh, yeah, okay. totally. Go um, uh but she's like a, just a total overachiever. I like always voted most academic and stuff. And, and she's nice. not uptight. Like, I think she may wind up being like a weird uh, artist type like me. But yeah. um, but she's never cussed, right? Like, she's, it's never like, really. my son and I, it's just like F-bombs and like yeah. whatever. Well, whatever the grossest thing you can think of, it's constant. Mm -hmm. But uh, on the cruise with her, she was little. And um, this is, I'll make this quick. It's a story about how cute my kid is. But she's like, we we're playing the game. They were, and, and they're like, I'm thinking of a word. And it starts with, and then you said the letter. And it's like, uh, you know, whatever. A, oh, is it anchor? And then, um, so she said, I'm thinking of a word. And it starts with F, but it's not the F word. And, um, and I was like, well, what? And she's like five. And I'm mm -hmm. like, well, what's, what's the F word? And I'm not going to say it. And finally, I convinced her to come whisper it in my ear. And she goes, fucking. And I'm just, <laughs> So, I'm so happy right now. You just said fucking with an apostrophe and everything. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, my uh my little cousin, I don't have I don't have kids. Tom, you don't have kids, right? That I know of. Yeah, nope, no, not nothing. yet. Nope. But I do have a little cousin who listens to everything I say, and including when like when I don't think she's an earshot. If I drop the F bomb, even within like if I whisper it, it's just this john like i'm being yelled at by a parent and she's only eight and and because she when she does it i like jump like you know i'm like oh shit fuck you know and i don't know what to do and then i'm just like i'm so sorry and she's like oh my god watch your language i was like all right jesus christ yeah <laughs> i can't wait till she curses though now i understand the just like i wanted to get so mad fun. at something nothing she's fine she handles just, everything in stride just tell her smoking is cursing is like smoking it's i mean they it makes you look cooler <laughs> that's so true though i will i always in my head i'm a smoker i've never smoked a cigarette but in my head i'm just constantly puffing that's so funny you say that because you do kind of read smoker i've had friends tell yeah. me that too and it's really weird and i don't i i take it as a compliment i appreciate it i mean i, I was a, pa a pack a day from 15 to 30 wow and, and um wow. so you told the story about richard jenny Right. Yes. Like that being a, he was a big smoker, right? Like, yep. doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. I, he smoked a lot. It's, it is pretty fun. I, I kind of miss it. It I looks cool as shit. It, it really does. does. I did. I, yesterday I did eight hours of photo shoot and it was all really moody, like really cool. Like it, like studio shots with like mm -hmm. the kind of a band of light, like right. a stark contrast, single light, like yeah. all this stuff. And I'm like, it would be so much cooler if I was smoking. All of this would be. Yes. Oh my God, dude. Damn you're it. so right. I just so many times I've had, um, I, I don't do it because I, but I've had photographers when I'm doing a photo shoot where they're like, do you smoke? And I know they want me to look like, I know as soon as they say that, I'm like, Oh, I don't look cool. <laughs> uh, and I really want to be like, yeah, yeah, totally. Let me just, Oh, I don't have my cigarettes on, but I don't. And it's, uh, but yeah, it looks fucking sick of shit. Um, uh, I had, I had to hold a friend's cigarette once and they were like, all right, you can give it back now. And I was like, Oh, do I have to <laughs> like, it's just like, hanging out. but they're like, you're oldest for a second. And for a minute, I just felt like I'm the coolest person in this room, but no, yeah, yeah it's not cool. 50, what made you quit? Uh, I quit when I was 30. Uh, you know, I'd finally met the woman I was going to wind up marrying. We moved yeah. into a really little studio down by the World Trade Center and there was no balcony and it just, oh, you know what it was? 
did you'll appreciate this hmm. I, I was on my way to a gig in asbury park Ooh. um on the tour bus um and we had had like 10 gigs in a row and it was back it was before i quit drinking and so okay. i i drank a lot of red wine the night before and i was smoking a lot of cigarettes god i was it was long enough ago that people even smoked like on buses and stuff wow. I mean, on tour on tour i'm sure some tour yeah. buses yeah still still smoke but um so it was the first time that i couldn't uh get my voice to work to the point where we had to cancel the show at stone pony wow oh wow and so our tour manager who was this really like terrifying face tattooed new zealander i mean he was maori so it's like tribal but right. still it was he looked like he was gonna stab you in the face and um <laughs> but um so he called up the club to tell them that we uh had to cancel the show and the owner um said that's too bad because uh bruce springsteen just called in and reserved the whole vip section for him and his friends so oh my like, god like, bro i got i can't i gotta quit smoking if i'm yeah. not gonna get to hang out with bruce springsteen i right that's a price that, too big to pay that is brutal you know that's one of the only times i feel like because you know the whole thing about asbury where like if there's ever a concert going on or any kind of event some asshole always whispers you know bruce might show up and then it's like <laughs> And he and he doesn't do it all the time, but like you always feel like a dick the time you don't go, and he does because you're like, yeah. well, I've heard it a hundred times, but you mean this one night I didn't show up, and he brought all his friends and shit. Did did he, have you been at one where he did? No, never, never, <laughs> no, not even the vicinity. I was really I was really bummed out, and I've done Asbury a lot, and I've hung out there, and I've gone to concerts there, and I've gone to the Stone Pony. I never got to see him, but all my everybody peripherally around me has. Yeah, really bumming me out. He's not that great. I'm just <laughs> kidding. I'm kidding. He's incredible. I'm joking. And I did end up. <laughs> I, perfect timing. <laughs> I did end up uh, meeting him at an event and he could mm. not have been sweeter and cooler. That's the thing I've heard, man. I heard he's a really cool guy and like yeah. just like really good to his fans and stuff too. Like regular, you know, people when they stop him and stuff like that, he doesn't care about pictures and shit. And like, he's like, yeah, whatever. You know what's funny? I had the opposite story from a friend that was oh. in, not not that he was not a cool guy, but he said he was sitting there drinking a beer at the end of the bar. Mm -hmm. So he so kid sees him. He's like, I got to get a picture. This is Bruce Springsteen. So he goes over. He's like, sorry, I'm not doing a picture, but I'll buy you a drink. So he bought him a drink and hung out with him and talked to him. Oh, that's wouldn't cool. take the picture. I know. But I was like, that's better to me almost because you get yeah. the story of a life experience. It's not just like click and walk away. Right, right. He wants to actually hang and like give you but some interesting, time. Interesting, right? Yeah, yeah, that is really cool. It is Maybe so funny now that the me. the picture is the uh, celebrity currency, whereas before it was an autograph. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a great point. Yeah, yeah. I never thought of it that way before, but it is. I, I don't know why that. Do you get annoyed when people ask for your photo, like in public, or do you just do it? Or, um, I mean, it's always flattering, you know. Yeah. Some sometimes uh, it. If you quit drinking, um, people who didn't quit drinking sometimes they are more annoying than they were when you were i don't i'm trying not to sound judgmental it's just like this is you know uh, experiential evidence and so right yeah sometimes you're getting like a blast in the face and then the camera right. doesn't work and then they look at the picture and like that's horrible we got to do it again you're like I got, oh, I got shit to do, man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's the that's the only thing that will drive me crazy after shows when I'm yeah. doing stuff with the audience is when, and no, not to say anything, but it usually is always, you know, the female persuasion who's like, Woo! I didn't get that one. This person doesn't look good. Can you angle your, and I'm just like, and I just stand. I'm like, let me know when you're done. Yeah. <laughs> like, I guess, because it can go on forever. 
I had a funny thing. I used to tour Japan a lot before I committed a faux pas and canceled the tour when my daughter was born. And I didn't get to go back. I anyway, it's, wow. I I I did go back a few times after that, but it was but it cost me a big chunk of my career over there, which is sad because yeah. it was really cool to get get to go there a lot. Um, but when the first couple of times I went over there, I, I was you know younger and made a solo record, and I had a ton of Japanese girls show up mm -hmm. at the shows, and and I had one experience where. I had done some event and afterwards there was a gang of girls on the street and it was the only time in my life where I was chased by a gang of girls. Like they're like the Beatles thing. Yeah. And, um, and they were screaming and they were chasing me and I was running. And then I thought, why am I running? Just because this is like the trope. <laughs> this is like the cliche. I'm, I'm supposed to run because right. I don't I didn't want to run. So I yeah. stopped. And, um, the crazy thing was that they didn't want to take pictures. They all had cameras. Mm -hmm. They didn't want to take pictures with me. They just wanted me to stand there so they could take a picture of me. And I'm like, I'm in like three magazines on the right now in right in, on the newsstand in your town. I mean, <laughs> let's get together. Come on. It's pose. Yeah. yeah. Interested. Wow. That's a weird thing, too. Yeah. I would think you'd want to be with the person and be like, well, because then it could have been from anybody. They could have been like, I was there. Yeah. And they're like, no, you weren't. That's my point. Anybody. That's weird as shit. And that story offered me a lot of opportunities to kind of humble brag about really cool stuff. Oh, one of our viewers <laughs> says he cannot wait to <laughs> can't wait to see this April in New York. Yeah, the 97s are in Brooklyn in April someday. Awesome, man. The 20 nice. something, maybe. All right, cool. Um, cool. yeah, we'll come too. That'd be great. Oh yeah. Uh yeah, you're gonna make your way back to Asbury though, too, right? Or no? Um, I could pull, I could pull it up right now. There, I feel like there is. I think we did talk about. Yeah, you know what? There's a Garwood date. Oh yeah, okay. I know what that is. Yeah, I just I know that that's this is a short northeastern run. the The way things have been booked lately is is in, obviously incredibly frustrating. I'm sure you're going through the same thing. Yeah. a lot yeah. of book booking canceling, booking canceling, and so yeah. we had a few dates, and um, I, it looks like they're going to happen. Cool. Well, I I've been in a couple of places lately, didn't have to wear a mask, and it felt I did anyway. And then I'm like, now am I being performative? Like the whole right, uh, the whole interaction is so crazy, but it does it does feel like it's moving in the right direction. Were you one of those people who when COVID hit, uh, you you kind of went a little crazy from not being on stage, or were you like, Oh, I kind of like the time off? Like, how did you handle it? Uh, New York shut down March 13th, and I did my first gig from my office here on March 18th. First, nice. I, it, it just it occurred to me, you know what it was? I had a friend who's a drummer in a band in Italy, and mm -hmm. he was emailing me because remember it was it was much more serious there before here. Yeah. Yes. And he emailed me and he said, "All you guys who are posting about your big summer tour plans, don't even, you know, you're not." you're kidding yourself. This is going to be a real thing. You should really take this seriously. There are going to be months wow. where you're trapped in your home. And um, my first reaction was to be terrified momentarily. And then I thought I, I can figure something out. So I researched, I found an online platform called stage it. That sort of had oh. been like laying, it was an early adopter to the online show thing. And, but right. nobody, nobody was really using it, but I thought I'll just try this. And um in a, in a few weeks, I'm going to have, I think it's going to line up. My two-year anniversary of my first show will also be my 300th show on this freaking platform. Wow. Oh, wow. Congrats, man. Uh, I mean, ish. Congrats. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how <laughs> many are you going? How many Dystopia Tonights have you done? 130-something, I think. See? I yeah, mean, it, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy. It, 
it's one thing to say because I've had a lot of people say, "Oh my God, you were such an early adopter. You must be. It's so cool that you did it. You must be proud." I'm like, I guess. I mean, to me, yeah. it feels more like I was just terrified and just trying to survive. Right. Yeah. Do you feel like now, you know, what's crazy too is like when things started to open back up and then the gig started to get booked in my mind, when this started, I was like, oh, cool. Everything I was doing to kind of stay afloat and survive during the pandemic, that'll go away. And once I start going back out on the road, it'll be great. And then all of a sudden everything just smashed together and I didn't let go of anything that I had done during the pandemic. And I had, so I was just like running ragged basically because trying to keep everything going. It was, it was wild. Are you Okay. Oh, no, I'm good. Yeah, I know. That was a weird. I'm like, God, you got to help me, man. I got to get out of this fucking box. I can't get out of here. <laughs> Just start freaking out. No, but, but it is. It's worlds collide. You know, it's I don't yeah. know. Like, I don't know right now. Do I keep doing all these online gigs? Do I assume that the live gigs will keep happening? I, I don't know. For the time being, I'm a, I think I might do online stuff for the rest of my life because I can do a show. And like, you know, we're talking before about Norway before the show. Just have. Somebody yeah. from Norway, somebody from yeah. Alaska, somebody from Chicago. Like they, they can all pile in and see a show on any given night. And that's that's pretty amazing. It's and it's Agreed. not the same as a real or in real life show, but it does have value. And there is a, a moment like obviously with Dystopia Tonight, you know, you're creating a moment night after night. You've got a cool community happening. I you know, and you're creating theoretically some work for yourself and yeah. maybe a revenue stream. And it's, you know, right. this is what we do. Exactly. And that's right. I, I think you're absolutely right. I like I like being able to be broadcasted anywhere. You know what I mean? Like we had we had people from the this guy from the Netherlands and then a couple other people we noticed from the Netherlands watching. I would never have gotten that anywhere else. You know what I mean? True. It's weird. Did you take some time to acclimate to it, though? Or were you like right away, like knew what you were doing? Well, I got better. I mean, I got an HD camera. I got yeah. a really great um, Apogee condenser microphone. I mean, but my my tech savvy is pretty low level so mm. i mean i figured out something that worked and then that's what i've done for for two years now i have added to my background i'm, I'm in the office that I, I i built a corner of my garage in my home in, in the hudson valley into a little office nice. and painted it red and took our old couch from our aforementioned studio apartment down by the world trade center and stuck it hidden here and uh, and this has been yeah. my kind of it was more of a storage area where i'd sneak to you know away from the family to hide kind of room <laughs> and then now it's been so useful and um it was maybe a year before the pandemic hit that i hung all of my guitars on the walls just to vibe it out and yeah, my cool. kids my kids live to roast me anyway but they're like oh my god <laughs> dad that's so cringy oh it's like you're trying to flex on everybody so hard with your dumb guitars and then <laughs> And then this becomes like this perfect background for like a live performance situation. And I'm like, who's who's cringy now, you yeah. nerd? <laughs> They're like, still, <laughs> still you. That's so great. Do they roast you on social media too? Do they like attack your page and shit? No. And that's a funny thing because I, I've got a lot of friends who do my job and I and I would never I would never think to judge them about this choice, but they ch have chosen to incorporate their kid into their professional presence on oh, the wow. social on the socials or their kids. And um, for two reasons, I have been loath to do that. Like a three year old, an eight year old, they don't um, they don't get to have much say. You know, you could ask yeah. them, but there's some dumb three year old. What are they going to say? Um, <laughs> like, I, I really wanted my kids to be old enough to make the choice if they want to be. Sure. Maybe they don't want to be a prop in my freaking social media career. Right. Uh, um, and then the other thing is, 
I don't know if it's just me being old school, but you know, once again, I don't think kids and rock and roll mix, you know, right. I don't, I don't want to go to my favorite rock and rollers page and see his dumb kid. <laughs> I mean, my kids aren't dumb. I no, gotta I yeah. walk that back. Real no. quick. He's talking about Springsteen. <laughs> yeah. That's the, yeah, that's Springsteen's kids. Yeah, that fucking guy. Gross. That's the only clip we're going to use to promote this, by the way. <laughs> Just that part. Uh, no, I know what you mean. You're kind of right. It does kind of take you out of the whole vibe when you're searching through stuff, especially if you're like, if you've got very distinct memories of listening to that rock and roll band or listening to the song they have, and then all of a sudden you come across like pri should be private family photos, and you're like, oh god, that's weird. I was yeah thinking about hooking up with a girl to that song in the back of a car, and now this babies and fucking dogs yeah. and shit. And literally, most of my songs are about getting wasted and fucking. Yeah. I mean, it's like this is not. <laughs> and people will bring their kids to the shows, and I'll look down and be like a nine year old in the front row, and I'm like, I guess. I mean. <laughs> This is a choice. It's bumming me out because now yeah. I've got to, and I got to think about this kid. I got to be nice to him. I got to think, oh, I'm teaching him a new word here. And yeah, whatever. It's an How do you get there? Yeah. <laughs> got to learn sometime. It is weird. It's weird. I had a kid walk up on stage one time at a comedy club that I was at. Did you invite I, him? No, no. Oh. But that's a, that's a, that's a tricky. Yeah. I was dressed as Santa. Uh, no, I, uh, <laughs> No, it was, it was like a trail weird... of candy. Yeah, yeah, it's a trail of I just normally travel that way. I'm a big Reese's Pieces guy. Uh, <laughs> just spread it out. Um, no, I was on, I was at a, performing at this dude's uh, benefit thing. It was at a restaurant. And uh, I don't know, like, uh, I think it was like five or something like that. I'm terrible with the, you know, whatever. But it was around yeah. that time where he could walk by himself up the side of the thing. And I could see that in my peripheral and I'm thinking, Somebody will grab him. And I just keep going. <laughs> and then eventually it just got close to me where I was like, does somebody want to grab him or whatever? And then I started fooling around and it was the owner's kid, which is why nobody even said anything leading up to. Cause I was like, wow, I can't believe nobody just snagged him real quick and let this happen. And then, and then it was like the guy is like, Oh, it's, it's my son. I thought it'd be funny. And I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> whatever you say, man, just pay me afterward. Exactly. Do you have any jobs that you were completely either embarrassed of or like shit you had to do? I, I worked as an elf for a bit yeah. at, a, at a mall and I took the photos and, you know, and we were talking about it because Santa was the guy who played Santa was from the South and they did that thing. Um, <clears throat> you know, bless your heart like that. You know, oh, they had like, your dang, heart. yeah, that. Yeah. And I knew he was being it, but he would say it to parents. He didn't like, you know what I mean? It'd be like, yeah. well, like a kid that was misbehaving. And I'd be like, this guy's a genius. He's telling him to fuck off, but he's doing it in the nicest way. Like, it was, it was my first introduction to bless your heart. Yeah. And I, and I, and, he, and he, that Santa basically taught me what, it, what that meant indirectly. Well, it's funny because obviously you made me think of Sedaris. And then there's that great line at the end of his uh, flight attendant spiel where they, they hate everybody on the plane so much. And at the end, they walk down the aisle saying, you're trash, you're trash. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. Oh my God. Did you have any jobs that you just fucking, Hated, I, embarrassed by well i didn't have a ton of jobs because i you know i dropped out of i had a i dropped out of college to do music and i've done music consistently since i was i mean really since i was 15 but for professionally since i was 18 and i'm 51 and so that's a long freaking time but um i did early on when i you know i lived in squalor for most of my 20s and then just barely started to make enough to you know not share a garage apartment with some other guitar player dude but yeah. i did it was a plumber's assistant 
Oh, nice. Um, eh, you know, <laughs> you, dig, you dig the hole, you stand at the bottom of the hole. You know, he <laughs> he promises you that the family inside has agreed not to flush the toilet while you're standing in the bottom of the hole, mm. and then they do. Oh. And um, boy, there's some gnarly stuff. Uh, I worked as a maitre d at an Italian restaurant in Dallas for a while. Oh wow. You know, it was, it was actually kind of fun because, you know, whatever. I took bribes. That was great. <laughs> no way. That's awesome. Totally. It was a really hip, like with the super douchey Dallas, like young money crowd. Right. And, and they'd come in and I'd say, no, right now we're running about a two hour wait. And they'd go, will this change your mind? And like, <laughs> Dude, I am so fucking poor right now. Yeah, of course. Yes. <laughs> God, yes. Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god! I've never been bribed. I wish that'd be so cool. <laughs> that would be so fucking cool. I'm so impressed by that. Uh, it looks pretty. Yeah, dude. I was gonna say you can't believe you're 51. They talk about Paul Rudd all the time not aging. I blew me away that you just said you were 51. That's crazy. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm old, but yeah. What's your? <laughs> I don't know. I maybe maybe um, if I were to assume the premise of your compliment is true, mm -hmm. I would say may, maybe be a life in music. I don't know. Maybe just nice. like I've I'm, young. I love what I do. I've always loved what I do. You know, I, I really do think that if I, you know, God, I'm, I'm, I said I wasn't going to talk about my kids, but if there was one thing I've tried to impart to them, it's just that. It's like it winds up being a lot more fun in your life if you love what you do. You yeah. Know? Were your parents cool with you going into music and stuff like that when you were younger? It's funny. My mom just today sent me a video she found of me at 16 on public access cable. Wow. Uh, yeah. So in 1987, Dallas Public Access Cable, and I was about to play a song called Seashell Girl that's on the record I put out in high school. Wow. And um, although I, the, the way I was so obsessed with British music that that whole record is kind of in a British accent, right? Um, <laughs> so, and like, I don't know if comics do that. Like in your early tapes, you listen to yourself. I'm like, oh my God, I sound just like Richard Jenny or whatever. Absolutely. Whatever, yeah. you, whatever you fell in love with in the beginning is usually what you wind up emulating. So I was David Bowie and um, oh, nice. <laughs> and I was singing Seashell Girl and um, but but the, I hadn't seen this clip and it it's me at 16 cable access and you know how just cheap and chintzy that is. Oh, yeah. And um, and so but it includes me introducing the song and I and I said uh, but my point is my mom was super proud of this and she, but the intro was so embarrassing. I, uh, I said, OK, so this is a song I wrote for a girl named Heidi. And I think she's huh, I think she's probably watching right now. But to be honest, I'm not sure if she is or not. Anyway, it's called Seashell Girl. And um, my mom's like, oh, my God, I'm so proud of you. But, Aww. you know, when I dropped out of college, though, she told me she's like, you know, whatever little money and resources I was going to put at your disposal is gone. I mean, you threw away the all the education and all the stuff. And now you just have to figure it out. She's like, I'll help you with laundry if you want to come home and do your laundry. <laughs> that's cool though that's like a bit of a yeah. freedom thing right well that's legit because otherwise you're just you know there's what i wanted was no safety net i wanted to have to make it right and if and if your parents are supporting you and granted that's the story of most artists yeah, yeah. right probably musicians comics painters whatever mm -hmm. most of the ones that succeed and, and i'm not saying that i didn't have actual safety nets you know there were there were always sure. people there i you know was very whatever entitled and privileged and all those things mm -hmm. but i did have i was cut off from whatever support they were going to give me and and i needed that because it made me hungry and i was yeah. hungry I, I, you know it's funny i still 
feel hungry. I have I have friends in bands that had hits, and I wonder if it ate away at their hunger to the point where after their hit, they weren't as driven to follow up, or, or right. if having it makes it harder to. Anyway, um, but I that's that's what I tell myself. The, the 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 upside of my not being independently wealthy from my work over the last thirty five years is that I'm still hungry. So I yeah. Get that. That's crazy because that's a that's a common theme that we talk to people on here too is uh, that if you don't have the hunger you suffer no matter what like yeah. anytime you feel like you're going to be comfortable your your set's going to go bad the album's not going to be great you know uh, the comedy special is going to blow like anytime you're like oh I got this shit no good you're too comfortable um, and the other thing too what you were saying before about um, uh, just about uh, you know uh, having the safety net and stuff I remember a teacher at one point in my life telling us. Uh, if you have something to fall back on, you will. And I remembered that through the whole thing. Yeah. Like, and that makes total sense too, because if you really, anytime you felt like giving up, if you had something else to go to, you would have just fucking ran away. A hundred percent. Oh, so Polly Chaser in the chat asks uh, for a reset on your guest. Um, my name is Rhett Miller. I sing in a oh. band called Old 97s and I put out solo albums as well. And um, and I'm really happy to be here. I, I had John on my podcast, Wheels Off, and he killed it. Thank you. It was so, black. yeah. So I'm trying. I'm trying to um, do my best to entertain. You're bringing the heat, man. It's great. <laughs> I don't know You're about that. Um, <laughs> uh, the other thing too is I'm wondering because that's a that's a really good point too. Like for musicians that have had like these extreme hits, and I know it's got to be the same for you when you create something where you feel fulfilled at the time. You're like, this came out great. How soon after that do you feel pressure on yourself to make the next thing? Um, well, okay. Well, having never had a hit, I don't know how to deal with the idea of, of like just rolling around in a big pile of money, trying to find <laughs> my, what's my next, you know, motivation, right? You know, I've never lacked for motivation, but I, I have had records that landed better than other records. And I've had things that worked um, better than other things. And it's just never enough. But I, but I think that's maybe true for anyone. I mean, you look at mm. the, I, I don't know, there, what are the exceptions? I mean, Chappelle quitting at the top of his game for all yeah. those years. But, you know, even, even folks I know that, that really did have a hit within well, the motivation is obvious, right? There's mm. the, there's like, well, what do you, what have you done for me lately? Um, sure. But yeah, I just, I love the constant challenge of trying to fill the void. You know, like there is nothing, I'm going to make something and I'm going to throw it out into the void and it'll echo around for a while until that echo, you know, disappears. And then I got to do it again. Yeah. That's awesome. That's a great way to look at it. I mean, that's like, I know people who either let it break them when something comes out because they immediately start to panic. And they're like, I don't know what my next thing is going to be. And it's like, dude, enjoy it for like half a second. Like, you know, like some of that. And then I know people who wait way too long, you know, and they just coast on that thing. And then all of a sudden I'm like, well, you didn't think of anything else. Cause I'm like, that's, I feel like that's one of the main things is like, people like what you've done, but how long does that fucking last? And then when you go into, you know, to make anything again, they're like, what else you got? Like, that's one thing I learned. I, I've lived in LA for a couple of years. And anytime I went to pitch something that I thought I had, that was great. And even if it was like ready to go, they would be like, oh, great, great. You showed us that. We really like you. What else do you have? And if you have fucking nothing but this one thing, they're like, yeah, this guy's not working. You know what I mean? And you're just like, yeah. fuck. So you just always have to go in with a bunch of shit. 
Yeah, well, because because either way they want more. Like if if they don't mm. like it, they're like, well, well, what else? But if they yeah. do like it, they're like, oh my god, we want to be in, we want to be in the John Poveromo business. What else you got? Right, so, right, right. Yeah, yeah. and they want to uh, see a stream of shit coming out of your brain, man. Exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. I know. It's so crazy. Uh, do you? What do you? We were talking about social media a little bit before though too. Do you like it? Like, do you? I mean, I know it's a hard thing to navigate, but do you think it's you know, been worse or better having started when you were super young and you didn't have any of that shit. And now keep people have kind of built themselves off of it. But you know what I mean? But I don't know that they're I don't know that it's beneficial. I'm not in the music, obviously, industry, but like I see people with a lot of singles, you know what I mean? Like a lot of one time things, but it gets really popular on that. And then because of the way social media works, if you don't recreate that same thing, I feel like there's no fan base that grows. Right. Is that is that a weird way to assume that works? Yeah, and honestly, I don't know how to answer this without sounding like old man. No, but go for it because we're yeah, I, I like it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I I I had a mentorship through the Grammy Museum. Like I've kind of wound up um, over the years becoming a sort of de facto mentor to some younger musicians, and mm -hmm. and it's it's crazy to watch it change just from when, like when I was first doing it, we couldn't believe that there was a. Uh, like a, a chat group of fans that would email each. It was just an email. Oh, list. Yeah, yeah. So like an AOL email list of our fans. And we mm -hmm. had a really active AOL email list. So really early on, I guess that would probably be like the earliest stages of some version of social media. And that really worked for the old 97s. Um, but I never really knew about that. And we didn't have to interact. So now, um, watching younger artists and even in the case of like I did a Grammy mentorship with a young student at NYU who's kind of studying music and wants to do music. Nice. Everything. I know I'm pretty great. And um, <laughs> um, everything that they think about, like mm -hmm. it's that's where it starts and stops. Like it's yeah. all followers. It's all clicks. It's all numbers. It's all what can go viral. And um, to me, that just that feels so sad and empty and hollow and frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. I can't it's even forced. imagine it. It yeah. is forced. And the craziest thing is, is you can't even really, it's at the point where you can't even really hide that kind of shit from anybody either. There was a, I don't even want to mention who the person was. Cause I, I like the song and stuff or whatever, but um, there was somebody who blew up on TikTok, and they did it under the basis of, they would take audience suggestions from their followers. And I don't know if you know who I'm talking about, but they, they would take audience suggestions for their followers about what to write a song about. Oh, and then, yeah. And then one of the things was like, hey, why don't you write about this? They did it like within a couple days, posted what the song was and it went fucking viral insanity. And then, of course, they fleshed the song out and it was this huge hit on Fallon tonight to the whole thing. Somebody wow. on the Internet looked up who the person was that left the comment. And it turns out it's from their agency. Somebody oh. who works within the agent, which is why you wouldn't disguise your fucking name. Yeah. But yeah, and that was it. And then you realize, oh my God, this whole thing is just a, a facade anyway. So it's really, it's weird, man. It's a weird cycle. God, I had some friends uh, who were jocks on a radio station in Dallas and they went out. It's a ostensibly sports station, but it's really a lifestyle station. Mm -hmm. And they go to the Super Bowl every year. And so this year they were out in LA and they did a TMZ bus tour. Mm -hmm. And the whole idea was that, well, oh, we're, we might see a famous person, but he's been the whole time driving around going, that's a Italian restaurant where Brad Pitt sometimes eats. And that's the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. And then towards the end of it, three guys in the back start yelling, look, 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 there's this YouTuber. I'll never, I would never remember his name, sure. but it's some 
YouTube guy. He's got like 1.2 million followers. And he's mm -hmm. like, yeah, oh my God, he's a super famous YouTuber. And um, so my my friends from the station, they like, you know, they got it all on tape and they and they were like, it was, first of all, it was so low rent and cheesy that that's even the celeb that they would see. Right. Then, they, then they figured out that the dudes in the back row that had spotted the YouTuber, they were all also YouTubers with slightly lower follower counts. And the whole thing was a plant, but not even orchestrated by TMZ because TMZ right. doesn't even care. They're just <laughs> right. out there. Maybe we can get on TMZ if we get spotted by the bus. Let's just, right. oh God, like, is that the the empty, hollow, like the fame loop bullshit yeah. idiocracy world that we live in? Absolutely. That's a great way to put it. Absolutely. And what's crazy is, is I'm both angry at that that's what we live in and i'm like why don't my friends do that shit <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> where i'm like god i got no backup no one's doing that shit yeah it is weird i had i had early on when that was becoming like really popular which i feel like nobody really questions that anymore for whatever reason but like you know when i would try to get myself into a club i'd never been in before and i'd sit down i feel like at the cusp of that they had no idea to quantify worth right like didn't matter if you had a good set didn't matter if you did whatever it was either, you know, they would be like, well, how many, how many followers you got? And I would be like, I try to be reasonable about it because I didn't like the question. So I'd be like, well, I have this many, but they're not all in Boise fucking eye. You know what I mean? So I don't, I don't know what difference it makes. Right. But then I learned quickly that they didn't want you to combat it. They just want to know the number and then whether they're there or not, they just want to know that they're booking somebody with a large number and it sucks. Do you remember for a minute during the pandemic, there was a social media site that was all about um, like chat rooms where you go in and it's all audio and people are having conversations about yes. Clubhouse. Clubhouse. Is this still a thing? Or no, House Party. Fucking Christ. No, House Party wasn't the same as Clubhouse. Clubhouse was just audio. Yeah. This is, House Party was like a Zoom type of social network thing Ugh. like this. A little bit. It was terrible. Um, but um, yeah, Clubhouse, Clubhouse is like yeah. that. And Clubhouse is about followers and shit. Yeah, it was totally clubhouse and and it was funny how much that was such a flash and then gone. And um yeah. but there was there was one I went into and and it was all music industry execs and um it was so gross. It was so gross because they were going, Well, I signed this guy and he had, and then they would rattle off the numbers and they got through the numbers of uh this many on the gram, this many on Twitter, this many on mm -hmm. whatever, and then and then OnlyFans, and I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you're counting only. I'm supposed to be on OnlyFans too, so I'm too old for this shit. Yeah, that's so great. I know it. It's amazing to me when when this thing started. There was a lot of comics that I knew who were like a you know a little younger in the game, and I was like, wow, they got OnlyFans really fucking quick. Like they were ready to go from ah, it's not working out to that, and I was like, I feel like they had already had one. Like like I don't know what came first because it was. I, it was just the links were being shared. I went on a clubhouse too. And, um, you know, cause everybody, first of all, it was VIP invite, which I thought was so yep. fucking obnoxious. I know. But, and you feel like you have to do it because someone nominates, yeah. you know, and you're like, all right, let me fucking sign up. Right. And just in case you miss out on anything. So I'm like, all right, cool. I do it. I, I immediately fucking hate it. And then I started going into these, um, rooms where it was like, whoever these people were, was supposed to be really big. You know, but they were like in the business of the whole thing. Then I realized they're just fucking 20, like 21 year old people. And, you know, they all have the floor. So they're the only ones allowed to fucking talk. And there's 800 people in the room and they and it's all just circle jerking. 
Yeah. Because they're just like, yeah, what we like to do here is, you know, I mean, you really have to like hook your audience in. Like, I've never fucking heard that. You know what I mean? I'm like, that's the dumbest shit. But I'm like, <gasps> they all like, even in their profile picture, they're wearing better clothing than me, which is upsetting. Yeah. You know, I'm just like, everything fucking sucks. And they're all telling you generic shit. I felt like I was on an, uh, like a, you know, one of those office calls when I worked at a bank, you know, your conference calls where you're just like, oh my God, let it fucking end. But, you know, they all think it's important and they all have people listening and I don't get it. You worked at a bank? Yeah, I worked at it. Yeah, I slid that in there. I worked at a bank. Was it my, horrible? It was fucking terrible. Not only was it a bank, <laughs> let me tell you this right now. I I dropped out of college. I started doing stand up and I was like, I'm going to get a full time job at a bank. That was the whole thing. Right. And I thought, uh this would be easy because it's just i'm i'm really bad at math by the way i failed every fucking math like algebra G, like the whole fucking thing right i can add but that's about it so but i get this job at a bank i'm like i fooled them this is amazing and then uh they put me in an in-store it was the first time this has ever been done i was in a bank inside of a grocery store and my easy teller job that i thought i was gonna have turned into i had to make a quota and literally get accounts from yeah this was so fucked up. I'm the reason the housing market crashed oh. in like the early 2000s. Cause they would be like, I had to get uh, three um, uh, loans. So I was giving out <laughs> housing, you know, to people. Uh, they were like buying off brands here. And I was like, you want a house? You know, like <laughs> the worst, the worst salesman ever for a bet, like <laughs> ever. Um, you know, you had to get nine checking accounts, eight savings accounts, all that other shit. And I used to have oh. my job threatened on the daily by a dude who, Hated his job too. I get, we all hated it, but he was in charge of us and he would call me on the phone and he'd be like, so have you found another job yet? And I'm like, why? What have you heard? Like, <laughs> like anything open? Because I don't care, dude. I'm just trying to, and I would sit at my desk at that place and make phone calls to comedy clubs and be like, yeah, I'm new. Can I come down and do something for free for a two hour drive? And they'd be like, I guess. So yeah, that was it. Did you have to do a lot of that um, tickets where you'd go out and you'd have to yeah. sell 50? Yeah, I remember that. That was what a nightmare. It was. It was total garbage. We used to have the cool thing was they would give us petty cash and I would just be like, uh, yeah, I'm buying cake to entice the customers in. And then I would just buy the cake and eat it. <laughs> nice. like, yeah. no yeah. i think he's talking about bringer shows like did you have to do bringer shows oh i thought you meant wow that's so sad when you said the ticket thing i thought you meant like we would give out raffles at the bank too like we had to get oh. people to come to the bank yeah no, no no i was talking about early comedy shows where you'd have to bring in yes. a certain number of fans 100 man that was the when i started that was the thing that just took off so i Dude. got yeah horrible comedy is so brutal like i i, I admire my comedy friends I, I feel like the the gauntlet that you have to run and then just the act of climbing up on the stage with the microphone and like you're like hey guess what i'm gonna make my vulnerability into your entertainment yeah. but not but not with a guitar not with a song i'm just gonna just use my yeah. voice and my face and yeah oh god terrifying yeah exactly and the and the the craziest thing was is during the bringer shows is like you were trying to do a new set but at the same time as you had to con eight of your friends to come see you. And then you're like, they would be like, oh my God, dude, it's kind of expensive. You know what I mean? You better be good. And you're like, fuck, I'm not. I, it's been two days. I'm not good. <laughs> you know, and, but you're trying to convince yourself you are good to go up. And then they also do these bringer shows where they, where they, to make it not suck, they put you on with a comic that actually is really good. So no matter what you're doing, you fucking look, it's amateur hour, right? So they're just waiting for the person at the end. 
So yeah, it was always that that fucking dancing. And then your you know your family would come who hates you anyway because they're, <laughs> they're like, how long do we have to support this shit? You know. Uh, so all that crap is brutal. Thankfully, I didn't have to do it for that long because I had a guy who was a headliner who took a liking to me and also had a DUI. <laughs> so he's like, you got a car? And I was like, do I? Um, and I yeah. And we went out on the road and I didn't have to do that shit for too long. But it was brutal in the beginning. Boy, it's it's funny something you just said. Um really sheds light on this horrible dichotomy a, a performer has to navigate, which is you're trying to convince yourself that you're great, right? Yeah. But then as soon as you do too good a job of that, then you fuck up. Like if you, <laughs> if you like buy into your own greatness, that's when it just all falls apart. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You <sighs> can never be too. Yeah. That's totally true. I literally, my friend and I'll go out on the road and like, uh, Anytime we are for some reason comfortable before the show begins, we're like, oh, this is not good. Like, are you feeling good? I'm feeling good too. <laughs> Everything is just going to fall apart. But if, you know, you go in and you're kind of on edge a little bit, you know what it is? I think somebody used to tell me you're not nervous, you're excited. And I tried to change that mentality about it um, like early on in the beginning because I was like, you're right. It's a much better way to look at it. Like, this is excited energy, not nervous energy. But I feel like if you don't have either, you're just fucked. Well, but I think that's uh, like a physiological truth. And the New York Times wrote a big article about it. The The idea of uh, performance nerves, mm -hmm. it, um, it's the nerves are actually incredibly useful because they focus you there. It's like your body's way of telling you that something important is about to happen and that you need to really be prepared for like yeah. what's going to happen. You're not just strolling up there going oh oh wow look at all these people i guess i'll just say some funny shit right you yeah fucking focus man absolutely yeah. yeah do you feel like those kind of shared experiences like when you were when you were starting out made you feel 10 times better because when when before i i always thought artists had it down man i thought i thought like art was a feeling which i feel like in some ways it kind of is but i thought writers felt like writers and never felt awful Boy, did that fucking did I clear that up real fast? <laughs> um, I, I thought the same thing. I thought people who could paint just just went and fucking did it, knew how to paint, no struggle. Same thing with music. And then when you start to do it, you're like, oh, it always feels terrible until it's kind of done, until you've gotten it right, you know. And the terribleness isn't really isn't really like a terrible feeling, but it's like uh, it is. It's excitement. It's you don't want to fail, but you want to be really good, and you know you're balancing all that shit out. But I really thought people just felt it, and that was it. I thought writers felt like a writer if that makes any sense does that make sense you know what i mean totally and i think there i think that there was i think there were a lot of myths that were um perpetrated on us when we were young especially about rock and roll that's what i've paid the most attention to but i think mm -hmm. maybe even with comedy was that the people doing it were this like higher class of human yeah. right they're functioning on a higher level they didn't have to take a shit they didn't like ever have <laughs> bad days they didn't like you know it's and oh, and guess what? Also, drugs are super good for them. Like they, they, yeah. it makes them better. It makes them, and if they want to do something bad to another human being, that's fine because they're actually, they're an important artist. And so you just have to put up with that. And right, right. I, I do feel like one good thing to come out of the demystification of all of it, which, mm -hmm. which was simultaneous with the defunding of all of it was, yeah, yeah. um, was that now I think that people are, held to human standards. Yeah. Which is I which is mostly a very good thing. I right. Think. No, I agree. Yeah. 
It's like they finally got it right in the tabloid magazines where they're like, celebrities, they're just like us. And you're like, yeah, they are kind of like us. Fuck them. Yeah, they suck. <laughs> yeah, they suck. Yeah, they suck too. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice to know that other people like that are infallible and have bad days. And I think that leads back to Polychase's point earlier, where it's like, how, why does society put somebody that can act or sing yeah. on this pedestal where they have a godlike influence over everybody else, where their word is more, it, it's, yes. it has deeper meaning. But that's been instilled in us, like celebrity culture, since we were, you yeah. know, since our grandparents' generation, when they're like this. But think about the variance from then and now. Like now it's like beating an algorithm. Then I feel like there was a lot more work to get to, Sure. To get to that status, right? God, Tom, I think you're right. I think that you really had to earn it or at a certain like, you know, there's like T.S. Eliot writing the wasteland and like spending his entire life writing this book. And right. now it's like, okay, I'm gonna have a shill from my management office write in and we'll pretend to write a song just like right there. No yes. Way. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, and the and the crazy thing is too, is it's weird to expect more than like I, I really kind of hate when people have you know, um, like an album that's just fucking great. It's a great album. And then society is kind of like, well, you're not going to do anything more than that. Like, why do they like have to? They spend so much time doing this thing that's amazing. You love it. You enjoy it. Or even like a book, like even like having one book that's like a, a fucking great book is is like they're like, yeah, what's your next thing? And it's like, but it's fucking amazing. Like, that's his thing. That's what he made. It's so funny. My daughter's reading for a class. She's reading um, uh, To Kill a Mockingbird by mm -hmm. Harper, Harper Lee. And we just had upstairs just before I got on with you, this long conversation about Harper Lee and the fact that that's her only book. I mean, we're yeah. not going to count the posthumous recently released, you know, thing. Um, and, and just like the the flack that she took, you know, being accused of um, Truma Capote ghostwriting that for her. And like, how, right. how could she have written this book? Come on. Yeah. And um. <laughs> yeah, it's you know what I think. It's, it's it, and this happens in the world of sports too, right? Somebody will win a Super Bowl, and you're like, "Oh, he's going to go on to win a bunch of Super Bowls." Like, whoa, just tap the brakes. He yeah. won a freaking Super Bowl. Maybe he'll never win another one again because that's what the odds dictate. Yes, you know. Yeah, exactly. Everybody's... They always want they always want something more, and you're like, "Oh, that's the thing too." Is like that's why you people wonder why like the generation coming up or like kids feel like they're not enough. It's because not even when people do something amazing is it enough. No one gets yeah. to breathe after that. It's like, well, we're expecting big things from this person. That's their big thing. They did it. <laughs> and and if they do it again, fantastic. But not not the whole fucking thing. It's just weird as shit. I want to, you know, it's crazy. I, I have a theme on this show, too. I feel like I've had a lot of people on uh, who are musicians who have an association to Scrubs. And you are oh. also one of them. Uh, we just we had Colin Hay on. We had Joshua Raiden on. And I swear to God, there was another one who had a, a a song on Scrubs or was actually made an appearance on Scrubs. Do you have how did that come about, man? Because that was kind of one of the ways I found you when I was younger in the beginning was like through Scrubs. You know, music supervisors are the best friend of, uh, you know, somebody like me who's trying to feed kids and stuff and, and landing mm -hmm. songs in um, TV shows and commercials even, you know. Um, yeah is really great and so the music super on that show and to this day i don't even know who it was um did me a, you know a couple of big favors placing a solo song off my my first big electra solo not big i mean it was well funded rather than well well received um gotcha uh i made my first solo record for electra records the instigator in the opening song our love 
uh, got great placement on there. And they, uh, an old 97 song called question was, that was, I mean, that was the ultimate placement and that, and that song is really useful. It's gotten. And so to me, um, the best thing a song can be is useful, like utility above Mm -hmm. all else. Like I want to be able to, you know, help if there's a kid who's struggling and and they listen to my song and it makes them feel like they're not alone. If there's a a dude and he wants to propose to his girlfriend, but he doesn't know how to do it and he can use my song question and it's about a wedding proposal. But the Scrubs folks got me um, a lot of ears that I wouldn't have wouldn't have gotten otherwise. And including my brother-in-law, Mark, who's a doctor and loved the show. And oh, nice. Oh my God! I never thought you were cool, and now I do. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, it's that is. I, I've had a bunch of doctors friends now, and they still tell me that like they're like they've never watched like they would have never watched it before, and now they're doctors or whatever. And I guess other people in their field are like, you got to watch this one show. It's pretty accurate, which surprised the hell out of me because I don't know anything about you know that kind of shit either. But to hear that it's like actually dead on accurate is like, oh wow, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, do you do you like the placement of? Oh, somebody asked it. Do you feel in any way affected by the cancel culture in modern world? Polychaser is very active on the chat. He really is. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I've 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 had people I know get canceled, and more often than not, I hate to say it, but I kind of feel like, I mean, whatever. I, I hate to see someone's life ruined, but if they've been an asshole right. for a bunch of years, then I don't know, bro. I can't save you from yourself. Sure. Yeah, that's a fair way to look at it. Um, it, it's weird. You know what? It's, it's kind of weird. We were talking about it the other day too, is like, uh, I feel like people, when they talk about cancel culture, they always have a different take on what it is. You know, there's people who think it's, uh, Harvey Weinstein and Bill Cosby. And it's like, I've said it before on the channel, but I'm basically just like, Oh no, those are felonies. That's not cancel. Culture. Yeah. <laughs> you know, exactly. I'm like, that's pretty ridiculous. And then there's other people who think it doesn't exist because the person that they wanted to go away, didn't go away. And you're like, oh, that's not really how it works either. And then I feel like there's this in-between shit where it's like, you know, people trying to create a paper trail. If they don't get the guy that they hate that one time, they'll do it again. You know what I mean? Like, it's this shit that just constantly never goes away. And sometimes it's deserved. And sometimes it's just like, you know, how bad? Dustin Hoffman's almost dead. Leave the guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> where you're just like, yeah. not that he's home. I'll recut that. But uh, <laughs> we'll leave that out. Um, and these people are going to be like, why? Um, but you know what I mean? Like, isn't that weird? Like there's four different conversations sometimes happening about it or more. I, I love that. It's like, God, I can't believe, uh, Aaron Rodgers got canceled. I'm like, really? <laughs> he won the MVP. He right. gets to go on TV anytime he wants and talk, say whatever he wants. I mean, right. He, he's fine. Yeah. And he gets to eat clay with Shillane Woodley. So, I mean, I feel like that's pretty, it's a win-win, right? Um, yeah. What, is, what does that mean? I don't know what any of that means. <laughs> Oh, Shalane Woodley is in. So, okay. So Shalane, this is trivial pursuit knowledge that no one else knows, but uh, she, she literally like went on uh, this thing where she was talking about, you know what I mean? Like it's a diet and she eat, she used to tell people she ate clay and then it started to catch on. It was like, it's not really clay, but it is kind of clay. And it, and she'd be like, it keeps your hunger down. And everyone was kind of like, because it's fucking clay. Yeah. You're eating clay. <laughs> yeah, you're eating clay. It's, you know, so it was like a weird thing. I couldn't afford that actual diet. So I just ate Play-Doh, but. <laughs> <laughs> and you started much, it real young. Pretty much. The same. <laughs> All your kids are like, dad, where the fuck is our Play-Doh? <laughs> <laughs> and why are your teeth blue? What is going on? Mm. Delicious. Um, I was going to ask you but before that, though. Do you like. um? Uh, like, because I always feel like when in movies and television shows, you know, uh, music is a great way to 
a great like companion to plot. You know what I mean? Like sometimes a perfect song in there. And I feel like yours were perfectly placed there too. And then I'll see stuff where they're like, uh, you know, hey, this movie's about the uh, the seventies, and then they'll just slam like twenty five top hits of the seventies in it, and you're like, oh, this is fucking awful. Do you have any? Do you feel like that's a cool way to get your stuff out there? Do you like it, or or does it matter to you? Like, do you have any say in placement, or no? It's funny that you ask. There, there was a movie. One of the first big placements we got was um, Joaquin Phoenix's. I think it was his really his first starring role, a movie called Clay Pigeons, mm. and um, it opens with a scene. Whatever, it opens with some sort of tense scene. And then right as that scene reaches its climax, it's banana, like the opening notes of old 97 song Time Bomb, the first song off of oh, our cool. um, first Electra record. And it's that's still the song we close every show with. It's um, it's sort of one of our most rockin', most loved songs. And it was great. That placement was so fantastic. Nice. There was a scene later in the movie that ended up getting cut and they came to me and asked for my permission because it was a delicate placement. Um, and I saw an early version of the scene because I had to sign off on it and I was really conflicted and they ended up not using the scene. So in the mm. end, my decision to agree to let them use it didn't, uh, it's not something I've had to live with over the years, but it was um, Vince Vaughn in that movie, which came out 25 years ago. So if I'm spoiling this for you, that's on you. He's, <laughs> he's a serial killer. And um, yeah, and so in the scene in question, which is much later in the movie, he's having sex with a woman. He flips her around. He's having sex with her from behind. And then mm -hmm. he murders her. And as he's murdering her, my song Big Brown Eyes is playing. And I'm thinking like, well, well, there's, there's <laughs> they have to pay me. And, yeah. and also like uh, Tom Petty's American Girl was used in Silence of the Lambs during, oh, a, right. during a serial murderer situation. So yeah. and that worked out great for him. Right. So, <laughs> I, was like, I feel torn about this, but I guess and they ended up not using it. So it wasn't a problem. But it was really weird watching really charming young Vince Vaughn just murder the shit out of this. <laughs> girl he's having sex with while i'm singing about my ex-girlfriend lisa who moved to new york city to do stand-up comedy oh no way oh yeah. my god that's wild man yeah yeah i he's... that's a great way to rationalize it though i would have never thought of the tom petty thing uh, and what a great placement that was the american girl and, and yeah. you know yeah. so it was creepy oh it, oh my god i wanted that all to wrap totally around with now she's lisa lampanelli <laughs> oh god no <laughs> no she's out in la and she's still working um Lisa Delarios, she's super funny. Nice. And she's great, and she was part That's of that. Cool. She she did a lot of bringer gigs back when, like Zach Galifianakis and Oh yeah, Miles, whatever. There was a bunch of that that whole scene early yeah. days. Yeah, man, it's crazy. The bringer stuff was just just brutal. I like that. Now, now I know that I forgot about that. You told me earlier before. I like to know that you actually had to go to bringer gigs. That's nice. <laughs> That's yeah. a good friend. Well, you know, she's yeah. great. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's crazy. I didn't know that anybody would check with you guys to do that kind of stuff. Cause I feel like sometimes, you know, placement in, in music and stuff like that, when you're not, you know, like if you don't get approval for it, the money must be nice to kind of like offset it. You know what I mean? You're like, Oh, cool. I'm still getting paid to have it in there. But like, if it's the wrong song at the wrong time, I don't know. I don't know what kind of impact. Yeah, that would you don't have. want to be the song when uh, they go into the Chambers and Schindler's list. Like that's, you know, like, <laughs> I, don't know how much, I don't know how much money is going to offset it on you. Well, they always you they always have to get your approval if they, if they can okay. use it. Although they don't always like for events, they don't. That's that's where it becomes problematic when politicians will use 
musicians oh, yeah. walk on songs. Like uh-huh. we had George Bush who walked on to Time Bomb during his campaigning in the whatever oh, the in the night. Yeah. And it was a fucking nightmare. And we had to like go to him and go, bro, you're not allowed to do this. You're a right. war criminal. You know, come yeah, on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's fucking I never even thought about that. That's got to be He's like, worse. but y'all are from Texas and I own the Rangers and it's okay. And I'm like, why are you talking like that? You're from Connecticut. <laughs> that's such a good point that's fucked up man is it hard to get that shit pulled though i mean you all you can do is write a letter and ask them and then I, okay I, I don't know what like i'm gonna be able to stop george bush or donald trump or any giant wealthy old white man from doing whatever he wants right if you ever need help i'll help you <laughs> <laughs> i'll do it man i got i got the i got the look uh <laughs> they already look like i'm gonna cause trouble at those places <laughs> Did you did you want to play something for? Still up to you. I love I love to rock and roll. So awesome. I'm, ha- I'm happy to play. Let's see what have I got. Wait wait wait. Um, Before, could, could he play us out? And could you ask him the big three questions first? Oh well, yeah. Because I do don't that. I, I don't want to close out without asking you those questions. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a great way to do it. Perfect. Right? I right, do it. Big three questions. Perfect. Ready? First question, and you'll find this familiar because we did it with me. Uh, if you could go back in time and talk to your younger self, what piece of advice would you give yourself today that would help you out? it's it's funny because this is the best answer I get when I ask this on wheels off mm-hmm. and it's, and it's, and it's crazy how often this is the answer, but it really is the best one. Hang in there. It's going to get better. Nice. Uh, uh, I mean, and, and then the, the sidebar to that is just like, you're way better than you think you are. Like you right. think you suck. You do not suck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I think this is true for everyone, not just me, but I mean, I think that a lot of people who, do artistic stuff for a living, beat themselves up unnecessarily. Agreed. Totally. Um, I, I've talked to people that have gone to John's bringers, so can't tell everybody <laughs> that. <laughs> we should actually just play one one time if we really want to lose viewers. Just see if you have a VHS hookup. Uh, <laughs> get that shit going. Um, uh, second question is, what had to end in your life, good or bad, that led you to where you are today? Um well my my first instinct is the one i'm going to go with even though i know it's a bit of a literally a buzzkill I, I i gave up drinking six and a half years ago and smoking weed and um wow. and it's been great but the things that i needed to work on in my life were like being a good dad and husband and like human being to be around right. so like for me to to drink and smoke weed all day every day for all those years it worked enough at the time, except when I had to cancel my gig and miss out on Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. But, um, you know, it, I guess I can't really, I wouldn't go back and change anything, but I'm really glad that when I did get sober that I did, because I don't think I would be in this house, in this room, you know, headed upstairs after we finished to go ask my son if he had any house frozen negligees, answer the door, pizza <laughs> nice. delivery gig. Oh, you gotta let me know if he says yes, because that'd be crazy. Um <laughs> and his cell phones now. Send us the pictures. <laughs> house, by the way, house frau cannot be acceptable. And I've said no. it like five times, and I'm really sorry. I think I'm sort of doing a character that's an asshole. So just everybody <laughs> please know that. That's gonna be the title of this episode. <laughs> Red Miller, doing a character that's an asshole. <laughs> 
<laughs> for one hour. Uh, and last question is my favorite question. Um, and because it has to do with the theme of the show. So if this is a real dystopia, uh, we're talking alien zombies, comet heading toward the earth, volcanoes erupting, Godzilla, uh, what would be your epic death? How would you want to go out? Um, well, I, I think the, the answer everybody thinks is the right answer is to get hit on the head by the comet. So there's no suffering or whatever. <laughs> right. But, um, I don't know. What if, what if I lived on the Island that hung in there the longest and I got to just like have all the sex and Ooh. see all the crazy sunsets. And I mean, it would be pretty depressing. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, it's pretty depressing now as it is. So whatever. Agreed. That's a great way to go. You want to go out on an island with pizza and house fries. Oh, my God. Your lips to God's ears, Poveromo. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so, so much for coming on, man. I appreciate it. Of course. Thanks for having me. Yep. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, with your permission, uh, I'll sing you out. uh, Great. uh, This is an old 97s tune off our album, Most Messed Up. Um, there's a video for this song. It's called Let's Get Drunk and Get It On. And if if you do awesome. go find the video, it's a fun music video, pretty standard, but it features a surprise tag ending. So uh, where I do some pretty great comic acting. So just <laughs> hang in there. As they say on the internet, wait for the, uh, wait till the, uh, I don't know what they say on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> hang in there. <clears throat> All right. Thanks, John and Tom. Here we go. Thank you so much. Your eyes are the color of the earth as seen from outer space. You got a gorgeous face, though it's a little odd. Tell me that you like the songs that tell the story of real love, the kind that's flawed. Let's drink whiskey and do it all night long. Let's get drunk and get it on. I'll take you to a cheap hotel out on the interstate. Well, you look so great to me. This is the perfect place for a rendezvous. It's got a rotten view, but the ice is free. Let's drink whiskey and do it all night long. Let's get drunk and get it on. Stretch out a blanket beneath the water tower. Watch the meteor shower, heaven on display. We are right here, right now. Lucky us. Well, it's wondrous. What a perfect day. Drink champagne and make fun all night long. Let's get drunk and get it on. Let's drink whiskey and do it all night long. Let's get drunk and get it on. Let's get drunk and get it on.
Woo! Let's get drunk and get it up! That was great. That was awesome, dude. Thank you so, so much for coming on, man. It was a blast. Thanks for having me. Take care, you guys. Dystopia tonight.